All right, so if you will, turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start in verse 15. Obviously, we just come off a legacy, leaving a legacy series. And for me personally, kind of as we went through that over several weeks, uh, that was really kind of a wake-up call for me as a parent, uh, but not only as a parent, but as a discipler, as a teacher, uh, ultimately as a pastor, uh, as a husband, as a father, uh, just all... Every aspect of my life, really, it just, for me, it kind of brought a lot of things to the forefront of things that I needed to work on personally. Uh, and what, what we're going to talk about today is how we live this life does matter. You know, a lot of us think that we get saved and uh, as long as we've got our fire insurance, we're going to get on our cloud and it's all going to be good. Um, you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to be strumming guitars and uh, well, that's not really how heaven's going to work. Uh, there's going to be responsibilities. There's going to be, when he comes back after uh, the tribulation, uh, and we rule and reign with him for a thousand years, there's going to be responsibilities for us. There's going to be jobs that we're going to do. Uh, and the influence and the responsibilities that we have are determined by how we live this life. Uh, and maybe that's the first time you're hearing that. Uh, just keep listening. So... But not only that, the way we conduct ourselves not only has consequences in heaven, not only has consequences uh, during the millennial reign and in, into eternity, but it has earthly consequences. And not just personally, you know, but the people that God has allowed us to shepherd, whether that be our wives, whether our kids, our disciple, our small group class, whoever is in your sphere of influence that you would say today, your behavior matters. Uh, it matters ultimately because we're going to stand before the Lord and Savior at the judgment seat of Christ. And I think that's going to happen very, very soon. I don't know if you guys are watching the news, but uh, could be very soon. And when we stand before him, it's not just going to be, uh, hey, man, how's it going? Uh, it's going to be a account for our stewardship. And what that means is an account of the st everything that you've done, uh, not for your sin because that was paid for at Calvary, uh, but everything that you've done for God, uh, whether it be good or bad, uh, since, you've been, since you've been saved. Uh, for some of us, that could be, uh, if you just got saved today, maybe it, you know, or maybe this week or something like that, you're, probably, you're not going to have a lot of stewardship. But somebody in my case, that's 40-something years. Uh, so there's a lot to be accounted for at that point. Uh, but at that time, when we stand before him, it's going to be very clear uh, what we've done with the resources that he's given us. Uh, there's not going to be any excuses. You're not going to be able to point at anybody else. It will be a personal accounting. Um, and any resource that you have, whether it be you know, our precious coffee that we have out there, if we didn't have a, a vessel or a container to put it in, it wouldn't be a lot of use, would it? Because it would come out of the coffee machine and then it's on the floor and we're having to clean it up. Uh, if you think about your car, without a gas tank, you're not getting very far. Uh, anything like that, a, a precious resource has to have a vessel or a container. Well, Jesus calls those vessels, and we're going to talk about this today, vessels uh, of honor or dishonor. And we're going to see that as we go. Uh, so the title of the lesson or the message today is Vessel of Honor. Uh, if you're in 2 Timothy, and we're going to read, and then we're going to pray. We'll start in verse 15. It says, To study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I'll stop right there. So if you can rightly divide it, guess what? 
You can wrongly divide it. Y'all have heard that, right? Praise the Lord. Uh, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth the canker, as whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And this is where I want to get to, verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. And some to honor, and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the, on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they gender, do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Uh, I do pray that as we go through this uh, passage today as we uh, go verse by verse and we look at uh, the things that you want to teach us, I do pray that we have ears to hear what you would have for us. I pray that uh, your word does not return void. It accomplishes its purpose for each person in this building today. Nobody's here uh, by chance. You have brought them to this place today uh, to hear your word. I pray that it accomplishes exactly what you would have it to. Please get me out of the way. I know that I'm nothing. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just teach us today. I pray that you give us exactly what we need so we can take this to a lost and dying world. Uh, not only that, but we can be uh, the kind of vessels that you would have us to be in our homes, on our jobs, uh, and as we're talking about today in the house of God. We love you, and all these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, your first point today is worth. Worth goes in your blank, and uh, all your... Blanks will be letter W today, so uh, you too can be a pastor. If you can just think of three, th th however many points you have, if they got to start with the same same letter. So, so we see in in this as we look, we talked about we're talking about a great house, um, and when you talk about a great house, we can think about. Um, a body, we're talking about the body of Christ, we're talking about the actual local assembly uh, that we have here. Um, and how do I know that? Well, let's look at 1 Timothy 3.15. It says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So obviously we see in this verse that there's a way that we're supposed to behave when we come in here. Uh, and, you know, we can either behave rightly or we can behave wrongly. Um, and 1 Peter 4.17 says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And, at first, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end of, be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So judgment has to start with us. Second uh, Corinthians talks about that. Or 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, For we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If we would just judge ourselves and some of the things that we do, then we wouldn't get any judgment from anybody else. We wouldn't get any judgment from the Lord because we would be living our lives in a way that would be pleasing to Him. Uh, so it's kind of like think about what you do before you do it. 
Uh, when I was a younger, we had the, you know, you had your bracelets that said, what would Jesus do, right? Um, and obviously, they probably sold a lot of bracelets from that. Uh, but the, the saying still is, is true, and it, it, it's good. If Jesus wouldn't do it, then we probably don't need to be doing it. Uh, if Jesus were here, how would we be conducting ourselves? If Jesus were sitting in our house on our couch, would we still be watching the things that we're watching? Will we still be typing the things that we're typing on Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, and any of the other things that uh, everybody does today? Would we still do all those things if he was right there with us? I don't think we would. Um, and that goes for all of us. And so when we talk about uh, how we conduct ourselves, Jesus talks about that these are vessels. And when you think about a vessel, I, t- I referenced it earlier, you got, a vessel contains something, a vessel houses something. A vessel carries something from one location to another. Uh, a vessel can be a very valuable thing, if you, especially if you don't have it. Uh, Genesis forty three eleven, And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels and carry down the manna present, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds. So the vessels that our vessels that we're going to talk about, they should contain the best fruits. And those best fruits should be taken to other people. The best fruits don't stay in the vessel and not taken and given to somebody else. So in this case, uh, we need to be taking our best fruits to the Lord, and then we need to take our best fruits to other people. Uh, They should see the best in us, not the worst in us, right? Exodus 40, 19, 9 and 10 says, And thou shalt take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle, and all that is therein, and thou shalt hallow it, and all the vessels thereof, and it shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint the altar of the burnt offering, and all his vessels, and sanctify the altar, and it shall be an altar most holy. So these pictures in the tabernacle, these vessels that were to be anointed, were to be holy. Uh, they were to be set apart, and we'll see that later. So your first key... The worth of the fruits that we bring into the Lord will be determined by how holy our vessel is. So, you know, I kind of use the analogy, if you think about whatever your favorite food is, whether it be steak or seafood or whatever it is, and something that's, man, when you get it, and Nicole and I just got back from vacation, and we didn't have the best food. We had a lot of stuff that was brought to us that looked really good, and then it wasn't cooked right or uh, those kind of things. Um, think about whatever you like as a steak, and you bring it to somebody, and instead of bringing it on a nice dish and you know with all the uh, laid out the way you would want it, think about if somebody brought it to you on a garbage pail. Or if they brought it to you and it was a really nice steak, but it had dirt all over it. Would you still want it? So, unfortunately, that's the way that uh, we do God sometimes. He's given us a lot of things and a lot of his holy things, and we bring those things back to him dirty, uh, contaminated, uh, not how he gave them to us. So we're not being good stewards of those things. Leviticus 27 says, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy. For I am the Lord your God. First Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or lifestyle. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And, you know, by the way, if we really, truly love the Lord, thought we should, 
we would live that lifestyle before him. Not because it's some legalistic thing that we, you know, regimented, but because he's worthy. He's worthy of our best. And unfortunately, a lot of times, we're bringing the worst to him. Uh, we, we're bringing him the things that uh, he doesn't want. Uh, whether that be uh, the sacrifices that we do uh, as far as music, whether it be our, uh, how much we sing or don't sing, how much our stewardship, how our, our time, talent, and treasure, how much we give that to the Lord, and how much we take for ourselves. Man, you run the list. I don't think we're bringing our best to him a lot of times. So. Uh, and that goes for everybody, not just me or not just you. It's just a, it's a, as Laodicea, where we're at as a church age, uh, he wants to spew us out of his mouth. That's what he thinks of what we're bringing to him. So, um, but if somebody's worthy of something, we're going to see these vessels uh, and the different ones. We, we saw gold, we saw silver, we saw wood, we saw earth, uh, honor and dishonor. So the first one is gold. And when you think about gold, you think about that being uh, a deity or a king. You would bring that as worship to a king. Uh, Matthew 2.11, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. So, you know, we're, I think the certainty conference that they're go that's going on in Ohio, the, the theme of that is worship. Uh, are we bringing the gold to him? Are we bringing the best that we have because of who he is and what he's done in our lives? Are we representing him and giving him what is due to him because he's the king of our life? Uh, next is silver. Silver represents the word of God. Uh, Psalm 12, 6 and 7 says, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver, tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. For those of you in discipleship or uh, ministry tools and training, if you studied um, any kind of Bible for like and as are two of the most important words that you're going to have in your Bible because God is trying to paint a picture. And so he's representing or you know, symbolizing that the words of the Lord are as silver and they're tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, the words, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So what are we doing with the word of God? Uh, is that, does our vessel represent that? Do when people hear us speak, when the words that come out of our mouth, is it God's words or is it man's words? Uh, the next thing we look at is wood. And you might think of wood as a good thing. You know, especially during the pandemic, wood was a, a, a valued substance because we didn't have a lot of it. Um, but in God's economy, wood is not the greatest thing because it represents the worship of men. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 28 says, There shall you serve gods, the work of men's hands, Wood and stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. Uh, so, again, would you rather be drinking out of a gold cup, or would you rather be drinking out of a wood cup? You know, uh, this, I think it's clear there. The last one is an earth, earthen vessel. And earth represents the dust of the ground, which represents man. Uh, Genesis 2 and 7 says, And the Lord God formed man, of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. 
Uh, Genesis three seventeen and 19. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. Uh, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the, herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And when you think about that picture, um, so... He was the same going out of this world as he was coming into this world. There was no change. Uh, and because of that, because, he had, uh, because of the fall and because of his rebellion, uh, because of the corruption of sin, uh, then his inheritance was messed up because of that. And so you think about that. When you look at uh, earthen vessels, Jeremiah thirty-two fourteen was a really cool verse as I was studying this. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both of which is sealed, and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may continue many days. And Jeremiah had bought a piece of land. And so he told, I believe it was Baruch, he told him, you take this document, you put it in an earthen vessel, and it's a symbol, or it shows that I have bought this land. It's a contract. Uh, in other words, you can kind of think of that as like earnest money, right? Um, and when you compare that script, compare scripture with scripture, uh, you see 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 7. For we preach ourselves, not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, in other words, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, uh, in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God. And not of us. And so a key question that I would ask today, is there evidence in your life of Jesus' purchase of your soul with his blood? Have you been saved? Have you accepted Jesus' payment on, on the cross for your sins? Is there evidence of that? Can you go back to a, uh, a specific date and a specific time in your life when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you can't do that, then today's the day you need to do that. Don't leave this place without doing that. Acts 20, 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. The most valuable substance on this planet was shed for you and was shed for me. Uh, the most valuable substance in eternity was shed for you and was shed for me. That's how much God thought of us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance into the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of his glory. So when you think about putting down earnest money, that means, for those of you who just bought a house, that means you have that house, right? Uh, that means that they can't take that away from you because you've put that money down and you're going to basically uh, inherit that uh, piece of land or house or whatever it may be. God did that for you. Uh, you can't lose your salvation. You are sealed until the day of redemption, it says. Uh, so, you know, for anybody that may be struggling in the room today, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you can point to that day, then you can't lose it. Uh, you cannot lose your salvation. So uh, don't worry about that anymore. Why can you not lose it? Because he promised that you could. It's in his word. And it's not by your feelings. It's not by your emotions. It's by God's word. He said it. Believe it. Next, two more uh, vessels that we want to talk about. A vessel of honor. 
John 12, 26 says, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So my question would be, are you serving him today? It says, if any man serve me, him will my father honor. So the opposite of that is, if you're not serving the father, let me make that clear. You know, you're not serving Jay, you're not serving me, you're not serving this church, you're not serving whoever, you're serving the Lord. Um, if you're serving him, then he will honor you. First uh, Timothy 5, 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So if you labor in the things that God has called you to, uh, wherever your calling is, if you do it serving him, uh, you, he will honor you uh, because you've honored him with this life. But you can also dishonor him. First uh, Corinthians fifteen forty three, when it, uh, one of the greatest passages you'll ever see, or really one of the greatest chapters, because you have the gospel, and then you have basically the rapture and, and what happens. Uh, and so, First Corinthians fifteen forty three says, "It is sown in dishonor." He's talking about the body. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Romans two twenty three says, "Thou that makest the boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God." And so our bodies, when we're born, um, unfortunately, I know we've had just some babies born, and praise the Lord, uh, but, and we don't want to think about them being the child of the devil, but they are. Uh, because of Adam's sin, Romans 5, 12 through 18 talks about this, uh, we were raised in Adam's likeness after the fall. We're not raised in God's likeness. We're not raised in God's image anymore. Uh, when we're born, we are born into Adam's likeness, uh, and that is a corrupted vessel. And so it is sown in dishonor, it says, but is raised once we're saved in glory. Uh, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. The problem is for us, even as believers, when we don't live our lives with honor, then we look like the lost world. We look like we did before we got saved. Um, and we are still sowing corruption. Galatians 6 talks about this. We're still sowing dishonor in our lives. Uh, so God's not going to honor that. You know, Jesus said very clearly that if you love me, keep my commandments. So if you love him, then you won't dishonor him. Now, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15 says, According to the grace of God... Which is given unto me as a wise master builder. And we're going to see some of these materials that we've talked about. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For every other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, now the foundation is Jesus Christ. So we, as master, as a builder, uh, as to, we should really try to be, as the wise master builder, who is Jesus Christ, if we lay on this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, and then you have another category, wood, hay, stubble. Uh, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. 
If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And so when we've seen these vessels that we've talked about, uh, if the work that we have laid upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, if it's gold, guess what? It's going to be refined. It's going to last through that fire, right? Same thing. Uh, Silver, same thing. It's going to last through that fire. Uh, precious stones, it's still going to last. Well, then you have this wood, hay, stubble. It's all going to be burned up. Um, you know, and it says every man's work shall be made manifest. There won't be any hiding at that day. Uh, there won't be, uh, you're not going to get points for filling out your name. Uh, and some of us are going to have work. And some of us won't have work. But there's going to be something run through that fire. Uh, whether it be the work or the lack thereof. Uh, so we need to be thinking about that and living our lives, which goes to our next point, W, work. Work is, work is number two. So if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And uh, when we read this verse, it says, If a man therefore purge himself from these. I'm, I'm going to tell you what the these is in just a minute, but let's look at these three things. First of all, it says to be sanctified. And that word sanctified just means to be set apart. And we should be set apart not for our use, but for the Master's use. First Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. I think a lot of the problem that we see in church world today is we're trying to possess everybody else's vessel. You know, it doesn't say possess my neighbor's vessel. It doesn't say to possess my wife's vessel. It doesn't say to possess my disciple's vessel. It doesn't say to possess, fill in the blank. It says possess his vessel, or in other words, possess mine. So if we would just take care of ourselves individually, corporately, we'd be doing, we would be doing a lot better. Uh, Romans six nineteen says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. So if you can yield your members or the things that God has given you, your body parts is what he's talking about there. If you can yield your members to iniquity, God is now giving you the same power to yield your members to holiness and righteousness. Uh, it's up to you. You can choose each day by putting off the old man and putting on the new man to yield your members to righteousness. Um, and you, that's a choice that you get to make. I can't make it for you. Your wife can't make it for you. Your husband can't make it for you. Your pastor can't make it for you. You have to make that choice. Uh, the next one, after being sanctified, is meat for the master's use. And I'm sure everybody used that meat uh, word this week. Uh, that's a, a King James word that I love because in that English, because it translated into something that makes a perfect point. Because when you compare scripture with scripture, it tells you exactly what it means and what God means by it. Uh, meat for the master's use. Look at Genesis 2:18, And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. 
And who was that helpmeet that he was talking about? It was Eve, right? It was his wife. And it was, God had given him, he had made everything. He said everything's good, right? And then he got to where Adam was alone, and that's, that's what he said. It's not good. Um, Adam needed something to fulfill the mission that God had for him, what was to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, right? Um, and so he couldn't do that on his own. He needed the help meet. He needed somebody to help him uh, do his mission. In other words, someone that was suitable not only for Adam, but for what God had called and asked them to do. Um, and so when you see the word meet in your Bible, it just means suitable. Acts 9.15 says, But the Lord said unto me, uh, Lord said unto him, excuse me, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. We're talking about Paul here, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So Paul was a chosen vessel that was suitable or meet for what God had called him to do. Uh, Colossians 1 and 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. So in light of that, when you talk about that word being suitable or something that suits somebody, we can either be suitable for the master's use or we can be suitable for our use, right? Um, we can be prepared, as we're going to see in just a minute. We can live our lives in such a way where we're living for ourselves uh, so we can get the best use of our time, of our talent, of our treasure, for how it benefits us. Or we can use our time, which is God's time, our talent, which is God's talent, or our treasure, which is God's talent, to be suitable for his use. Again, it's just a choice. And unfortunately, what most of us do is we live our lives in such a way where we give God our leftovers, uh, right? You know, after we do, we, we, my phone's over there, but after we do our calendar, you know, we got, we got to go here, we got to go there, we got to do this, we got to do that. And then after we filled in our calendar with all those dates, well, okay, now what's left? I've got a couple days here. Uh, maybe I can go do, you know, serve at the church, or maybe I can uh, serve in the back, I, as long as it doesn't interfere with anything else that I have to do on my calendar, right? Uh, well, that's not the way God's, that's not God's economy. He wants the first fruits. He wants the best that you have that he gave you. He wants it back. Uh, he does want our best because he's worthy of that. Next is prepared unto every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God has given you everything that you need to accomplish his mission. Uh, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, not yours. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, not in our sight. Uh, so your next key. God has given us everything we need to be meet for the work he has called us to do. And what has he given us? He's given us his word. He's given us his power. And he's given us his spirit.
What are we doing with those things? Are we studying to show ourselves approved unto God, not somebody else? Uh, what are we doing with the power that he gave us when he saved us? Are we sharing that with other people? Uh, what are we doing with our spirit? Are we walking in the spirit? Uh, are we walking in the spirit or are we walking in our flesh? Second um, Peter 1, 3 says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. God has given us all things. He's given us the things that pertain to life and godliness. So when we are living in a, fa- in a way that's ungodly, God, that doesn't come from God. God didn't give you that when he saved you. Uh, he gave you his Holy Spirit, his word, and his power. And what are we doing those things, taking those things for glory and virtue? And what does virtue mean? It just means doing the right thing, doing what God has called, asked you to do. So, you know, wherever you're at on a spiritual growth step, just do that. Don't worry about if you're not if you're at one, you know, if you're at the first level, do that. And just be good in that. And when God gives you more, then do that. Don't be trying to skip steps. Don't be trying to do things that he hasn't called you to do yet. Um, do it in his time. Uh, so, verse uh, point 3. So you have five ways to become a vessel of honor. Uh, so when Jay asked me to preach because they were going to be gone, uh, I'd had this stuff for a while. We were actually, some of this stuff, this next section is actually what we looked at in our pastoral uh, procedures class that we had that some of us took for LFBI. Uh, and Dan Renault out of, um, uh, out of Kansas City did a great job kind of walking through some of this, so I took some of this from him. So that's what you do as a pastor. You, you can steal as long as it's, you know, for this, you know, so... Uh, so anyway, uh, so you got five ways to become a vessel of honor. Uh, your first one is to be free from impurity. Uh, go back to the verse there. Thanks, brother. Uh, it says, if you slide back one, yeah, if a man therefore purge himself from these, what are these again? He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified to meet for the master's use and prepared of every, unto every good work. So what are we purging ourselves from? What is, what is the these? Well, you have to go back to verse 16. And that's why you can't take scripture out of context. That's why you have to compare when you're reading a verse or reading when you're studying read the whole chapter. The pronouns, all of you know for those of you that hated English, I hated English. Uh, you know, growing when I was in class, that was one of the when I was in school, that was one of the things I really hated cuz I just wanted to get through the section and fill out my blank and be done, you know. Um, but when you're reading God's word, every word matters. Every word is pure. And so we need to make sure that we're reading all the verses and all the words because they're all important uh, because we wouldn't know what the these are if we don't go back to verse 16 uh, because it says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And so let's look at these vain and profane babblings. So what, 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 what would you say those were? Well, let's just let God define that for us. Ecclesiastes 10, 11, and 13. Sorry, that may be a little small. Small on my end. That's okay on yours. But uh, surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. 
The words of, of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The beginning of the words of his mouth, the fool, is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. So, when we speak, are we babbling? Uh, are we confirming uh, the beginning? In the, uh, is it foolishness and mischievous madness? First Timothy 6.20 says, O Timothy, keep, thou, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. And we've had plenty of that over the past few years. Um, so when we speak, is it edifying? Is it bringing godliness or is it increasing unto more ungodliness? Uh, when I, when I, anytime I see the word ungodliness in the Bible, I think of two passages in Jude. Uh, the first one's in verse 4. It says, For there are certain men creeped, crept in unawares, this is in the church, uh, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to verse 15. This is the end for them. To execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them of their, all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So the words that come of our mouth, are they godly or ungodly? Or are they profane and vain babblings? Uh, so we need to make sure that we shun those things. Uh, we don't need to be participating in those things. So in, in the church, in the great house, if we hear those things, don't, don't be a partaker of that. God has called you to holiness. Next is flee youthful lusts, verse 22a. It says, flee also youthful lusts, follow you, but follow after righteousness, follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So part of that purging those things and part of shunning those things is leaving the situation. Um, you know, whether that be what somebody's saying or what somebody's doing. But then it goes a step further. It makes it personal for you, a flee youthful lust. And what are we talking about? 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Because it becomes personal at that point. Um, again, it goes back to possessing your vessel uh, in a way that's pleasing to God. So don't be participating in that. Flee from it. Don't even, if it, you see it, go the other way. Uh, 1 2, Peter 2.11 2, says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. So, you know, as a Christian, as a believer, if you, you know, we all have a past. I get that. Um, if you know those things are a problem for you, then don't, you abstain from those things. You abstain from the appearance of all things it talks about in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, so if that means turning your internet off, if that means taking your phone and turning it off or deleting some apps that you don't need to be participating in, well, that's what you need to do. Um, but why? Because we are to follow the Lord. Verse 22b uh, said, He that followeth, Proverbs 21 21 says, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy, findeth life, righteousness, and honor. So what are we following today? What are we going, what are we pursuing? Uh, are we following after righteousness and mercy, or are we following after the things of this world? 
Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 11 says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So next key in your notes. Following the Lord can only happen when we stop following the devil, the world, and our flesh. So, obviously, I can't do it, so I can't really give the illustration. But if I tried to walk this way, and I tried to walk that way, then that's obviously not going to happen, right? Uh, Because I'm all connected here. Um, So if I'm going this way, there's no way I can go that way. It's physically impossible. If I'm thinking about X, Y, Z... The, you know, the things of this world. In my mind, maybe I can go participate and do something else, right? I can probably, even if I'm, I'm having some, um, some thoughts I shouldn't have, I can still appear godly on the outside, right? I can still look the part. Well, guess what? God's not fooled by that. Uh, you know, God's not fooled by that. Uh, you may fool your pastors. You may fool your wife, your husband. Your children, uh, your disciple or your discipler, but God's not going to be fooled by it. And you cannot be holy following unholy things. It's just, it's just an impossibility. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so that gets to the crux of the matter. The things that we pursue, pursue all these uh, ungodly things of this world, they're all going to pass away. The only things that are going to be left in this world, the only things that are of any value, is the word of God and the souls of men. And what are, is that, are those the things that we value, or those are the things that we treasure? Next, uh, avoid foolish questions. Uh, All the teachers in the room love this one, so it says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. You know, I think there's a saying, there's no such thing as stupid questions, right? I don't really buy into that saying. Uh, I ask my wife a lot of things that she determines are stupid questions. (laughs) Over and over again. Uh, and, you know, it's probably if I would just listen, I would get the answer. You know, I, would, I wouldn't have to ask those dumb questions. Cause, yeah, amen. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm always glad when Nicole's here uh, when I get to preach. It just kind of reinforces things. So, uh, But, yeah, it's avoid foolish questions. And so what does that mean for us? Well, if we hear a foolish question, we need, again, the next point is going to be patient and forbearing others. Uh, for those of you who like to do your blanks early. But be gracious with people. But if we hear a dumb, foolish question pertaining to the Word of God, avoid it. It says to. 1 Timothy 1 and 4 says, Neither give heed to fables and endless ge- genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. So anything apart from the faith, the Word of God says, is sin. Right? So if we participate 
in these endless genealogies, if we participate in questions that don't edify the Lord, godly edifying, so in other words, if it's not pointing to him as who he is, and then also if it's not lifting our brother up, if it's not benefiting him, then don't participate in it. You know, you may, we all have liberty and I get that. So you may be able to handle those questions fine. But if you have somebody around you, if you participate in that conversation, they may not see things the way you see things. They may not be where you are spiritually yet or whether you think you are, probably more accurate. Um, but think about the audience. Think about who you're around when you participate in some of these conversations that don't edify uh, God or the body of Christ. And so avoid them. Uh, Titus 3.9 says, But avoid foolish questions and genealogies, contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. You know, during this period, you had uh, Jews and Gentiles, uh, Jews that had been saved. They were all going to church together. And so there was an issue, obviously, with following the law um, during that time frame. And so it, avoid, it caused a lot of strife. Well, the picture for us is still the same. What are we striving about? What meaningless things that don't matter in the grand scheme of things according to God's economy, what are we arguing about? You know, what are we, what are we giving credence to that we, don't, we shouldn't? Uh, that's the thing. First Timothy 6, 3 and 4 says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. There's that word. We just can't get away from it. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. Guys, I'm telling you, life's too short. There's some of the things that we argue about and some of the things that we get all bent out of shape about. Uh, and I'm preaching to myself as well as you today, today, so don't think that I haven't already examined myself with this. There's things that just don't really matter. It doesn't really matter, you know, if we don't have everything that we need. So as far as music or if we don't like the color of the walls or if we don't, um, you know, whatever it may be, whatever we're putting all our emphasis on instead of this word and how we're taking it to people or not taking it to people, those are the things that matter. Uh, so those are the things that we need to be uh, participating in and avoiding some of the strife and arguing and bellyaching. Uh, that's free. Uh, next, forbear others. I already gave you that one. So let's look at verse 24 and uh, 25a. It says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive. But be patient unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And so forbear. And that's you know, basically means that you are bearing. You are able to accept somebody where they are with grace and be gentle with them. Gentle goes in your blank. It's first Thessalonians two seven. But we were gentle among you, even as, nurse, as a nurse cherisheth her children. You think about Paul. You think about you know, some of the guys that were on his missionary team. These guys were learned men of God. They could have come in and beat them with a stick and said, this is what you're going to do because God's word says so. And he would have been, I mean, he was blameless, you know, as far as the law goes. Um, but he didn't come in doing that. He didn't come in beating everybody with a stick and paddling them and saying, this is what you're going to do. He was gentle with them as a nurse cherish, cherisheth her children. So when you're trying to 
win the lost world to Christ, when you're trying to disciple somebody, when you're trying to shepherd them, and I've had to learn this um, because it's, you know, those of you who know me, it's not really my nature, um, then we need to be gentle. You know, we need to think about what we're saying and how we say it, uh, the tone in which we say it, um, and we need to be forbearing with other people, just like they're forbearing with us. Guess what? I'm not perfect. Uh, you're not perfect. None of us are perfect. We all have faults. We all have things that we fail in. Uh, we need to be gentle with each other. Uh, next is apt to teach. First uh, Timothy 3 and 2 says, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. So apt means that you are skilled. It means that you have a certain um, skill set that God has given you, uh, a giftedness, if you would say it that way. And so if God has given that to you and you know that, then you should be teaching somebody. If you're a husband, guess what? You start by teaching your wife. Then you start by teaching your children if you have kids. Your first ministry starts at home. Um, be apt to teach. And then if, it's, you know, if God's giving you the privilege of discipling somebody, pour your life into them. Teach them. Um, because somebody taught you. You know? Uh, don't teach them the ungodly things. Don't teach them your opinion. You teach them, you teach the lesson. You teach what God has given you in those 18 lessons um, as you were taught. Next, um, we need to be patient. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Again, this, this is for me. It's not just, you know, even if you get nothing out of it, I've got something out of it today. Uh, we need to be patient with each other. Uh, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. You know, we live in a world that we just don't have patience for anything. You know, everybody's on our schedule. I need my food right then. I need this right now. I need you to do this right now. Uh, and we operate in a fashion where we are just oblivious to everybody else's schedule. Guess what? We all got a schedule. We all got our preferences. We all got the things that we have already discussed. But we need to be patient with each other because their time is just as important as your time. But more importantly, God's time is more important than yours. And it's more important than mine. Uh, we need to operate that in such a fashion where we're being patient uh, because if we want to see the lost world saved, if we want to see this church do whatever, you know, do everything that God has commissioned it to do, we have to be patient with each other. Uh, we have to operate in a way, and we operate in meekness. Uh, and that's another, you know, King James word. Meekness means to, it's power under control. Uh, God is all, we saw earlier, God has given us all the same power, the same spirit, the same word. What are we doing with that? Are we operating in a way that's pleasing to him? Uh, you think about Moses when you think about that word. And man, you know, whoever you're shepherding, they aren't the children of Israel. I don't know if you've read any of that. Man, even God was so frustrated he wanted to stop working with them. Moses had to ask God. He even said, blot me out of your book. Don't, don't do this to them. 
Would we do that for the person we're discipling? Would we do that for the person in here that gets on our nerves? Would we do it for the person that's not in this church? Would we do it for the neighbors that we have that get on our nerves, uh, that blow all their leaves in our yard, or, you know, whatever it may be? Um, you know, that doesn't cut their grass the way we want to, you know, they don't cut it on the same schedule as we do, and so they make our grass look bad because, you know, you guys are laughing. You guys, y'all just moved into a new place, so hopefully that's not your neighbor sitting beside your park. But anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, there you go. That's funny. Well, he's here today, so that's a good thing. So <laughs> we'll talk after. So yeah. So I mean, you know, that's the that's kind of would we have that kind of love and meekness not only just for somebody that we know, for somebody that we don't know. Would be willing to forbear them and accept them and say, you know what? They're valuable. You know why they're valuable? Because God died for them. Just like he died for you and just like he died for me. And we're all equal at the foot of the cross, people. Uh, Deuteronomy 34.5 says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. He was the servant of the Lord. Man. Numbers 12.3 says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are upon the face of the earth. You know why Moses was the one that led them for 40 years? Because of this. Because he was the chosen vessel. He was suitable or meet for what the children of Israel needed at that time. When everybody else would have forsaken them, when everybody else would have you know, left them and started something else with God on their own, he didn't do that because he was meek. Um, and ultimately, you know, he was the one that shepherded Joshua. He discipled himself. He replicated himself so that his disciple could lead him into the promised land. Um, Ephesians 4, 1 and 3 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, forbearing one another in love. Guess what, man? If you're going to keep the unity of the Spirit of the bond of peace, you're going to have to learn to love each other. We're going to have to learn, each other, learn to love each other when we get on each other's nerves, when we speak, you know, when we hear things we shouldn't uh, say about other people, then we need to have grace with them and we need to forbear them because we love them, because Christ loved them. Titus 3 and 2, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. First um, Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. So that verse basically says that we should be meek because we're trying to win them to Christ. If we operate in a fashion where we're uh, taking, you know, trying to uh, be a dictator with a Bible in our hand, uh, that's not going to benefit anybody. Uh, now, I'm not saying we waver on doctrine. We stick to the Word of God. We stick to what God's Word says. But there's a way to present it. Uh, there's a way to be, have, your grace, have your speech seasoned with salt. And we need to make sure that we do that in a way because we want all men to be saved. He died and, and paid a ransom for all, not just for everybody that's in this church. Amen?
Amen. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Uh, I do pray uh, right now that we think about some of the things that we've uh, heard today. Uh, pray that we examine ourselves, that we look at our, our life and see what kind of vessel we are. And truth is, we, we already know. Uh, you know, we know if we were to stand before you right now, you know, whether we would be a vessel of gold or a vessel, vessel of silver, or would we be standing in front of you uh, as an earthen vessel or as a vessel of wood? Uh, are we participating in the things that make us where we worship ourselves more than we worship God? Uh, whether we submit ourselves to our authority as opposed to your authority. Uh, I do pray that we just look at ourselves today as we look at that. Um, you know, we've talked about you know, the worth of our vessel today. God thought that each one of us was so valuable uh, that he paid the ultimate price for us. He sent his son to die on the cross that we might have eternal life and uh, have it more abundantly. And I pray uh, today if there's somebody here, uh, you know, just in the spirit that we have here in this place today, I pray uh, that they would accept that payment of sin. It's very simple. All they have to do is admit that they are a sinner, uh, that they believe in the finished work of the cross uh, and that they confess you as Lord of their life. And your word says that they shall be saved. There's no question of if they uh, say the right things or if they uh, live a good life, if they will confess you as Lord uh, and, and believe in the finished work of the cross, your word says you'll save them. Uh, and I pray you do that today. If there's somebody here that doesn't know that today, I do pray that they don't leave this place without coming to see me or coming to see Corey. Uh, somebody here that can take their Bible and show them how they can be saved. Uh, it's just very simple. Uh, you know, maybe for some of us, you know, that if we're saved, well, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. But, man, if we look at the value, the worth of our life and our vessel by God's standards, not ours, uh, you know, maybe it wouldn't amount to very much you know maybe you know we are bringing the container that we have the vessel that we have is is, is tarnished maybe it's rusted maybe it's um, just not up to God's standards well t today's the day we can change that uh, if we're saved then we've been given the exact same thing uh, that every believer has and it's the word of God it's, it's God's power and it's God's spirit and help us to do, be the vessel the kind of vessel that takes those the most valuable things that God has given us uh, and use them and treasure them as the resources uh, that they are and take them and we pour them into other people's lives that we don't just take it and keep it for ourselves. I pray that we would take it for and pour it into other people's lives. I pray that we would take it to a lost and dying world uh, so they can know the same God that we know and know the same Savior that we know. Uh, and pray that we have that mentality that we want, we want to be the kind of vessel, a vessel of honor uh, that honors the Lord with our lives. And we don't want to stand before him and be a vessel of dishonor. Uh, and we don't want to stand before him and be ashamed of our stewardship at the judgment seat of Christ. Lord, I thank you. I love you. I do pray uh, for each one of us here today that we examine ourselves uh, and what kind of vessel that we have. I, I just want us, you know, as we go through the rest of this week, maybe take these things and take, think about some of the things that we say, how we conduct ourselves with others, and uh, really uh, take these things to heart. We love you and all these things we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen.